0: Oh. Uh-huh. have destroyed the barrier of this podcast with facts from the outside and interviews this has been deemed unsafe for consumption by me a person who hates fun facts how do you please
1: uh well y- you know if you destroy this podcast um i have something in this podcast that's right part of my vocal frequency will destroy you
0: oh well that was just my other side of me i didn't mean to get you so upset there come share an episode of red shots with me
1: oh wonderful red shots red shots for all
0: hey emily how are you doing did you hear that frequency too that was really odd it sounded a- like yeah it almost sounded like it should have been clint howard but it was dubbed over by some dude
1: yeah, probably some dude. Probably some dude who was on uh, the Addams Family. I feel like.
0: Yeah, it's well, I so I know who the voice actor of mm-hmm.
1: that is. So we're gonna
0: drop some things for it, uh, some fun, so, my so, own so fun exciting. facts about voice acting. One of my little obsessions. But we are here for, of course, the Clint Howard fan club. I mean, red shirts, the episode. The Corbomite Maneuver.
1: The Corbomite Maneuver.
0: Emily, that's right. I want you to maneuver me through this episode. Ooh. No, I already know poker really well. I can. I've played it at casinos. I've been to a casino once, and Ooh. I played poker and it, video Ooh. poker, and it was like, okay, this is like just me playing old poker games on my computer growing up. What I probably <laughs> really shouldn't have. Like, but I just liked playing card games, and my parents were like, he's just learning cards. It's
1: whatever. It's, it's just like math, cards. you know. It's just cards. It's math. It's adding. It's subtracting. It's, that's right. Everyone, it's the renew maneuver. Uh, that is, episode 10 is when mm-hmm. it was broadcasted. But this was actually the second episode ever shot besides the two pilots.
0: We have finally got to the Mythic Production Code 3. Three! The, the unaired pilot, the cage, of course, being one. Number two mm-hmm. being Where No Man Has Gone Before. Mm-hmm. And now three, Baby Clint Howard. I mean, The Corbomite Maneuver.
1: The Corbomite Maneuver. That's right. This one is directed by Joseph Sargent, written by Jerry Soul, uh, and was cinematographed by Jerry Finnerman. This was the first thing that he had ever cinematographed on his own. Um, and was so nervous the whole time that he had to regularly, especially on that first day, uh, just go puke in the bathroom every oh, so of often. Course. Yes. Mm-hmm. As one does. Uh, yeah. Bob Justman was the one who had to accompany him to the bathroom and kind of like pep him up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I've heard the name Jerry Soul before. What other episode has he done that we've seen?
1: So I'm not sure if he's done another episode um but he is a prestigious science fiction writer okay um he is someone who was present on that first sort of screening the private desilu screening of where no man has gone before for a bunch of writers the one where they got sills the one where they got s ben david mm-hmm. who who had a, a different secret real name ooh oh. see the previous episode um and other Science fiction writers, so he was he was basically snapped up at that point. He had written a number of science fiction books, uh, a lot of them featuring a twist that it was a child behind the whole thing. Oh
0: my, interesting. Oh
1: my, oh my. Um, so this original uh story draft, of course, this was like the second script they ever got, and it was originally called Danger Zone. Um okay. and Highway 2. Highway 2. And boy, was this little bottle episode a a solid favorite of Mr. Justman. Um, because he was like, oh, one set! It's so beautiful.
0: <laughs> There's no mad paintings.
1: There's no extra random actors running around. Yes! So he absolutely loved it everyone basically loved this script like the minute it came out despite the fact that a lot of the things that like i would consider like really fun about this script came from roddenberry Uh oh. so by the end of his like third draft of this there wasn't much good dialogue there wasn't much characterization um and that's because there had only been one episode and oh, only the true. writers had seen it. So it makes sense that like, no one knew who the hell these people were, you know, these characters were. Um, and all of the science fiction authors were still sort of figuring out that thing in between, like just throw a bunch of gadgets in there and know, like, this is a real story that that you need to figure out with drama between the characters this episode, it was the first one that they shot at Desi Lu. Uh oh, the first okay. set that they had was for that bridge. Um, the beautiful bridge set, as many called it. It was really cool because you could take it apart in three sections and take the middle part apart. So that's how they got the camera all these different places on that bridge.
0: Oh, of course that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Very, I've, never about, cool. I've never thought about
0: I've never thought about. The set in that way of of course, like with all that heavy camera equipment, especially back then, they'd have to like move things around. This isn't like small, we would get small, you know, like digital cameras now where he could be like, well, we Mm -hmm. could get these shots the other way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Roddenberry wanted this to be the second episode. He's like, This is a great episode. We're on the ship. It'll talk about how the ship works. What are the capabilities of the enterprise and what are the capabilities of other people? Um, But NBC was like, no, we want creatures and planets. (laughs) And also, um, Justman and everyone else were like, yeah, there's a lot of special effects. And we have created, you know, we have fomented two nervous breakdowns, I think, by this point in our special effects guy. So it ended up being episode 10. (laughs) Because they had to figure out all of the fun special effects that we are about to see.
0: Oh, there were so many fun ones! Uh, in fact, the the alternate episode if this had not been Clint Howard, it would have been Space Rubik's Cube. Yo, that's how we start everything out.
1: Shapes, shapes in space. Um, the other wonderful thing we got from this episode is that Joseph Sargent is why we have Uhura.
0: Oh, do They're- tell.
1: Yes, so originally there was a black actor in a communications position. uh, Yes, I remember him. they didn't really, you know, they didn't feel like it was a very juicy part, whatever. And in the script, it had written that the communications officer was just another white guy. But Joseph Sargent was like, look, I've seen Roddenberry stuff. I've seen the lieutenant. Um, He's trying to put social commentary into this. And there are no black people in our fucking cast so he went to ron Barry and was like we need a black woman on this we need that's what we need and ron Barry was like yes you are absolutely correct like everyone was super on board um and it was Diagosta, who was the the casting person for all of this who was immediately like nichelle nichols she was on the lieutenant uh the lieutenant was ron Barry's previous show uh and she had been cast along with the other lead for that episode because they had been in an acting class that the casting director had been in. So they were like, Nichelle, we love her. She's reliable. She's skilled. They brought her in. She was uh, touring nightclubs in Europe as a singer.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And her when her agent called her and was like, they want you for like a weekly show. And she's like, fuck it. Like, gets on a plane, gets to the studio. Walks in, and that's when she sees why. But it's her previous affair partner. That's right, it's Mr. R, Mr. Roddenberry.
0: Oh no, they had
1: already had the affair? Already had the affair. I assumed this was something
0: that came out of Star Trek. Oh, yeah. gosh, golly, gee. It,
1: I'm not entirely sure how that got started. I'm assuming on the side of the lieutenant, Um, that episode was one of the reasons that the lieutenant probably got canceled because Roddenberry <gasps> was like, we're talking about racism. Oh. <laughs> and they're like, racism. <laughs> you know? Um, So... <laughs>
0: Again, the progressive, regressive. Progressive, we're going to have a nice black actress come in. She's going to crush it. Regressive, oh, but it's it's also I fucked her. Like, yeah. okay.
1: But no one knew at that time that they had fucked each other who were on the casting elements of things, at least. But Ron Barry, of course, it's not like he was going to not hire her. She was basically hired on the spot Um, because she had it she had the class she had exactly what they wanted for the character
0: yeah I mean it's it sounds Um, like the casting director and director just had the layup that got mm -hmm. that all orange and it's I love these stories like it's also one of the reasons that whenever people say oh you know I want to go into acting or those kind of things it's like you have to realize that it is just the most random series of luck it is Mm -hmm. like oh acting class casting director director's need was available was willing to fly from europe there's a universe where she said i got gigs i can't go and someone else got in there like yeah just so many different uh little branches that all led to this
1: exactly they saw three other people for this uh one person turned it down but went on to be successful and i do not remember their names but the other two actresses uh who were not chosen are in the background of this episode they were offered walk-on parts um they didn't know how many episodes they would want Uhura for because she was a brand brand new character. Um, so they that offered a, a bland her... new character. A bland how dare you? How dare character.
0: you, Captain Emily? Oh,
1: absolute. Uh, how dare they offered her a thousand dollars per episode. Uh, if you remember last time, James Doonan, Scotty, he only got like eight hundred and something bucks an episode so it was definitely a combination of like we don't know how long we're gonna keep you so obviously we have to you know pay you more for just a walk-on but
0: we have to pay you enough to cancel a european leg yeah. of your singing career mm-hmm. yes. to do it and and with the, the reminded context of that of course she was i believe at this point already had done broadway yes, and she had was... been in
1: porgy and best yes uh, which means that she should have been in more things. <laughs> Whenever you hear that, like a black actor before a certain time was in the only black one, yeah. the only black musical, you're like, oh, so they were better than everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> that's basically that's yes.
1: <laughs> um, her name Uhura came from a book that Michelle Nichols was reading in the waiting room for her audition.
0: Again, these random coincidences. Well, because I believe we've also established she was the one that wanted her to speak Swahili as well, correct?
1: Yes. Um, This was about a real African woman named Uhuru, who Jean Roddenberry was like, no one's going to be able to pronounce that. Uh, Which, like, fair enough. I'm not going to question someone saying that, like, white people in the 60s were fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably not
0: the best way to open it.
1: Probably not, but yeah. So that's where we get Uhura. Thankful. uh thanks, thanks, Joseph Sargent. Thank Joe. Thanks, Joe. Fucking, that's great. There is a question about how racist NBC was at the time. Roddenberry basically says in all of his stories and all of his things, things he said behind the scenes that like NBC was being very racist, and he had to like fight every fucking week for Uhura. I don't doubt. A portion of that however nbc had put out like multiple um like all company wide memos being like hire black people hire black people put them in roles like people of color on our tv because we have color television and we want all of the money um exactly so there's this sort of question of like you know how against this sort of vision of racial diversity was they obviously were not comfortable with the idea of an interracial kiss. Uh, so I do not doubt. I do not doubt how often they were like, maybe less Uhura. Like, we like that she's there so we can say we put her there, but maybe less. The
0: the capitalist analyst part of my brain, just in terms of like the critical looking at it, makes me think that someone probably just kept going to the executives being like, Black people watch television too. Like, <laughs> They will watch this. <laughs> they will watch ads. They will like. They have TVs now. I don't. We don't know what what you think it's like out there, but everyone has a TV now. It's so, like they will be watching it too.
1: I, I also have this feeling that like Roddenberry, as regressive and like whatever as he was as he became, I have like this image in my head of him where he's like, "Well, if I can fuck them, they must be human."
0: That like you know, it's that that's,
1: opposite of the uh, racist like
0: Emily. I don't know if I've ever verbalized that thought but that is from the beginning how I've analyzed all of this <laughs> that it is he is like I'm trying okay I have never listened to this podcast I don't know what it is isn't it like the um what are they called oh, the people who do come town I can't think of what they, but it was like a, a liberal talking points progressive thing where it was but it was like bro people sure like, sure it's yeah. like that i think yeah and i, and I mean yeah. i might be pulling the wrong reference again it's it's like you know i'm pulling, like, um, pulling it from my butt here chapo but it,
1: trap house that's
0: the other one that's I mean, the other one yeah. i trying to think of literally my brain was like it can't be called like I, I, my brain was thinking chapo and i'm like no that's not el chapo but it was something yes <laughs> that is exactly the other yeah which i think come i think come town was a offshoot from that if i recall correctly i have been told this again by other people when I ser- when I search anything with the words come or town I'm looking for something different either way so-
1: <laughs> porn version of our town
0: <laughs> oh I got I've, I have been in our town and if anyone is casting a porn version of our town I will be the stage manager I don't have to get dirty I can like I'll walk around naked if you want me to like you know it's not anything interesting but like just the person who narrates and comes in and like it's like and who comes in and never be coming up this this is not this type of show we needed need, that i i mentioned this as a reference we have, had, we have to diverge from it i um i will say i did look up because i, I wanted to look up what uhura means and it means freedom hmm. but yes. it also led me to the fact that he originally wanted to call um, uh uh lieutenant uh zulu uh, but someone pointed out it's like that's basically one letter difference from zulu But he kept Sulu for the character Sulu, which I just thought is interesting. Like again, just the little, the littlest shift of things that made this series what it is.
1: Yep, it's just like oh, all we have to do is shift one thing around, and it goes from kind of racist to like not at all racist. (laughs) That's where we're at. And speaking of Sulu, uh, that's basically our next fun fact because we start out on the bridge spock is at the helm and we get this weird overhead shot from like spock like looking at a monitor and then the camera moves up and we see the bridge like from above and then it like goes down to lieutenant sulu that's right and he as we saw in previous episodes they were like oh he's our astrophysicist." Um, especially in where no man has gone before when he's like, it's, if you get a penny and you double it every day, uh, you'll have a million dollars by a month. They're like, we don't need an astrophysicist on this spaceship. They should all be astrophysicists. They're, Um,
0: They're in it. They're out and about in space. We don't need, we don't need one expert on it.
1: Um, and they're like, we don't need an astrophysicist every episode, but we do need someone sitting in front of Kirk. So let's pop Sulu in. Um, Sulu announces that they are in contact with an object approaching the enterprise at light speed. He's able to get visual contact and what is it? A cube! The mighty cube attacking us from space. It's spinning. It's fuzzy. It's neon. It's wonderful.
0: It made me Uh, so happy. I messaged you when I was in the episode and said, (laughs) space Rubik's cube. I just put it out there and I'm like, it's already Mm -hmm. got me in.
1: Oh, yeah. We're afraid of those cubes. Jerry Soul came up with that idea because he was like, I was thinking about like, if you were to see a cube out in space, you would know for sure that an intelligence had to have made it because it's such a like weird specific you know, shape.
0: That's a very uh, good point. would be like
1: getting an electronic warning signal on the frontier.
0: Well, and the fact that also, then they made it multicolored on each surface mm-hmm. too. It's like the double. If you cube. think, oh, there might be a naturally occurring cube, we're just yes, going to make are. it rainbow night bright. Yes, that just so you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's very much constructed.
1: Yeah. Cubes absolutely happen in nature. They're usually crystals. Um, but if you see a cube in space... I can't tell you how to feel about it. I hope that you have had enough training by the time you're in space. Uh, they are not like, oh. Just
0: pray it's this cube and doing? not a Borg cube.
1: Yes. So Spock is like, all right, evasive maneuvers. Let's go around the cube. Um, and they don't work. They're not able to escape this damn thing. It keeps coming in front of them. Uh, Chief Navigator Lieutenant Dave Bailey. Hoo-hoo he reacts quite emotionally to this he's like we're it's still in the way like oh my god like the cube is still there he's like kind of freaking out Spock's all like there's no need to raise your voice Mr. Bailey uh (laughs) which was very which he said like rather bitchily which I appreciated um Sulu declares a
0: it's like Spock's sensory disorder goes off and he's just like, please, like loud noises are just so logical, So I, would, I don't yeah. want you to do that.
1: Just like loud noises are inhibiting me from being able to think right now. Like me reacting whenever like my sensory problems are, <laughs> are triggered. It's very like, this is my most measured and clear voice to explain to you exactly what I need to have changed. <laughs> so Sula declares a red alert and calls Kirk to the bridge. Space! The final frontier.
0: And here is where we play, in in the grand scheme of the Emilyverse, one of my favorite games, which is, who do they look like? This is a question that is often asked of you. However, this is a question that I was asking myself about Lieutenant Bailey. (gasps) Who does he look like? So, I... Research or I looked him up, and he is not anyone that I know. He's played by Anthony Call. He has very little credits, this being the main one. Because at first I saw him and I thought he looked like Adam, the oldest son from Bonanza, played by Parnell Williams or Parnell. I think Parnell Williams is his name.
1: You are absolutely correct. I just googled this person, yes. Parnell Roberts.
0: Roberts, thank you, Parnell Roberts. But yes, does look like that person. The other is the actor Russell Johnson, who you probably don't know the name offhand, but if I were to say the professor from Gilligan's Island, you would know who oh. that
1: is. Oh, you are totally correct. They uh, look yes. very similar.
0: So he looks like a blend between the two of them because I I was looking at it also confirming like, Clearly, this is, if it is one of them, it's from when they were an age I didn't recognize them. Although I thought Gilligan's Island was the contemporary to this, which I thought, well, then maybe it's Barnett-Williams. But then also Bonanza, I think, predated this. So it was this uncanny value. I'm like, I have to figure out if this is them or if it's not them. And it was neither. But that was the game I played with myself of who do they look like.
1: Amazing. Uh, up for this role was also the person who ended up playing Lieutenant Bailey, who very much wants double portions of ice cream for everyone on the ship. Um, and the person who played uh, Lieutenant Termalaine, uh who died by existential concern, mm-hmm. and and Butterknife, also in the Naked Time.
0: Oh yes, yes, it's. I love this early reoccurringness of like. We're- I feel like we're too early in the series to have reoccurring dead people come back as other people, right. but you know what? <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. it's a different time, and you're use the again casting directors. You're gonna use them as much as you can.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, captain's log, star date one five one two point uh, two. On our third day of star mapping, an unexpected cubicle object blocked our vessel's path. On the bridge, Mister Spock immediately ordered general alert. My location, sick bay, quarterly physical check and that's right sick bay is a light gray blue at this time light gray blue so we're in the sick bay um and kirk is sort of inverted on a table pushing big blocks with his feet um sweating like a pig he is just going at it this is the physical one of my favorite uh,
0: recurring characters is the physical the two up in the air <laughs> pumps that they are just pushing with their feet. This is not the first <laughs> time we've seen this. And I hope it's not the last.
1: Yes. Me too. Um, He's all like, you're killing me bones. Like the whole time. Like, I feel like they were just like, just say, just express concern, mm-hmm. Shatner. And he's like, ah. Ugh, ugh.
0: Which this uh, didn't answer the question I had at the top. Why was Kirk not at the helm? Why was Bailey up there? And it was. The physical, physical,
1: physical. He
0: wants to get physical. physical. Let's get in the physical. Or if you're a Gen Z person, all night I'll write it for you. <laughs> oh, do you not know the Dua Lipa song? You, your face just had no recognition of it. I don't know this one. Um, Is it on TikTok on, yet? Is there on, a trend? Come on, let's get physical. No, I just love that song a lot. I mean, it's, it's okay, fair. Okay,
1: that's fair. But that's best- fair. I learned all my news music from TikTok. <laughs> in um, the form of 30 seconds
0: i'll say I, um as a as a person who loves du Lipa, because i am a white gay uh, th- <laughs> there is a great remix where someone took the track for physical by du Lipa and put it over holding out for a hero <laughs> by bonnie uh taylor uh or tyler um uh and it's a, it's amazing and when i hear the original song i forget oh that's right this is how it's supposed to go
1: for Kirk's physical, he's all you're killing me, and McCoy's like working up a sweat. will do you good. Uh, but he, he, McCoy turns and he sees the red alert. He finishes the physical, and then when Kirk gets down, he's like, "Oh, I see a red alert that you didn't alert me for McCoy." Whatever. He goes to his little view screen, and Spock shows him the cube. Kirk's like McCoy. excuse me why didn't you tell me there was a red fucking alert and he's like i'm just pleased to have finished your physical exam you son of a bitch uh
0: mccoy is like when is there not a red alert on this ship every time i ask you to come in you seem to have some sort of emergency you're always going i I feel like you're avoiding me kirk and i don't know if it's something on my level or no it's just the red alert okay we're good
1: on here maybe it was that time that i didn't kill a monster who was killing you because she looked like my dead girlfriend (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but that hadn't happened yet at the time of shooting um so this is our first time we get him saying what am i a doctor or a moon shuttle conductor ha he's always looking at lights that's the first what am i a doctor or a Blank is this a
0: recurring? I've never. I, I don't think I've absorbed that. That's a thing, and oh, I'm, I'm going to have to yes. listen for more of that.
1: Yes, the, I'm a I'm a I'm a doctor, not a blank. Uh, my favorite is I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. He says, <laughs> "I think I'm starting to think I could cure a cloudy day." These both come from one of my favorite episodes, "The Devil in the Dark."
0: I <laughs> hope it's okay. Future hope for one of them, which is, I hope he says. I'm a doctor, not a forensic expert, because this is a reference to one of my favorite lines in Clue, which is when Professor Plum at a dead body screams, I am not a forensic expert.
1: (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha! Love that. Um, And then he he has a great thing, like, after Kirk leaves, like, Kirk is like, I'll be right there. He says, if I jumped every time a light came on around here, I'd end up talking to myself.
0: Ah ha.
1: Very cute. That was a Roddenberry uh, introduction. That was a Roddenberry line. A lot of the fun lines in this are Roddenberry. They basically went through because this I do not blame him at all. And neither did Soul, Neither did the writer. um, Because it was literally the second episode and they spent most of that time establishing what the fuck the ship can do.
0: Now can I ask a, a, a linear question in terms of production? Oh yes. Oh, yes. In episode two There was a different medical expert is this not deforest kelly's first episode that he recorded
1: this is deforest kelly's first episode that he recorded do you
0: know what's amazing is that he had it all day one the ryaness the delivery every little quirk about it is it i mean that must be you know just deforest himself but like it absolutely was a delight and i'm only realizing Mm -hmm. this in the moment i didn't look up the production code beforehand but i just remember in the episode really liking mccoy yeah. and everything that he did so this just makes me happy that he was able just to like find his footing right away through the writing through his relationship with you know gene whatever it was but yes I just and it wanted makes to confirm sense that.
1: that like gene wanted deforest kelly like he wanted mm-hmm. him from the jump he wanted him through another actor being cast in that role And it was because he knew that he would deliver this. And this was exactly what he wanted. Um, Except you'll notice that there is a ring on DeForest Kelly's finger. I didn't notice. A ring in space. Rings in
0: space.
1: Mr. 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 R was all like, no jewelry. No, that's weird. Like they wouldn't wear jewelry in space. And DeForest Kelly was like, oh, you mean the ring that belonged to my dead mother? You want me to take this off? Well, if there's no jewelry, there's no DeForest. And so the ring stayed on.
0: That is (laughs) incredible. One, that is an amazing tribute to his mother. Two, the fact that he had the balls to stand up and be like, (laughs) I mean, okay. Like, I get on a personal level, but, like, I, you know, if I I don't have right. any sentimental things that I wear, but, like, I would be willing to, like, take something off or move yeah. something if it was, like, oh, it's not appropriate or whatever, but, like, to be, like, nah, uh, mama comes with me on <laughs> set, or there is no McCoy. I love that. <laughs>
1: Right. It is fantastic. This was also the first episode that Kirk had to shave his chest for.
0: I was going to ask I, I was going to make a reference to the safe chest when you talked about the cinematographer throwing up. I was gonna ask, was it because it was pre <laughs> had pre and post chafe like shave chesting, or like did they do it on set? And so he saw it and it was in the camera when he was testing it. and he was like, Oh no, my eyes, my oh, eyes.
1: Yeah. Uh, this was because, like, Gene Roddenberry thought that men of the future would have less body hair. I don't know why. I think it's an old racist thing. Oh, like,
0: maybe. Well, I mean, like, as, uh, for me, yeah. as a person who can't grow chest hair very well, I just shave my because it's better than, like, the few errant uh ones that like <laughs> pop out here or there you know for drag purposes sure too i want to have a nice like chest line but also it just is like it wasn't doing anything there to begin with so yeah i think <laughs> like if you yeah this is oh man i'm realizing now i have turned into a jessica st Clair, who has declared she is all hair or no hair at all and i think i'm that way in the middle i need you to be. Hairy, like like hair just looks like it's naturally on you, or get it all off. I don't want any hair to be there. <laughs> that is how I'm at right now. So, yes, this is a How Does This Get Made reference, but all hair or no hair at all.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Uh, well, I mean, Roddenberry was a no hair at all kind of guy, uh, and he enforced that, Um it's not, like, straightforward racism. I'm pretty sure it's one of those, like, convoluted racisms that are, like, old. Like, I remember my grandmother had, like, a thing about uh, uh, stuff. But If
0: I'm going to make a ones guess ones. based on racist logic, which I believe a lot of it comes from conservatives' obsession with things they find gross or disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, it comes from a rude disgust. It probably mm. was like, oh, I don't like th- – I don't like that – other races have hair, so I need to become hairless to prove yeah. how I'm better than them. So like if I yeah. just, if we have less hair because we don't need it because we're ex, like literally some mm-hmm. quack became obsessed with hair and then wrote down uh, because white people. And that's, yeah. that's I yes, I am with you on <laughs> being able to understand that this probably had some racist origins
1: in it. Like and of course it didn't make any sense. No. Because none of it made any no, sense. No,
0: none of that makes any fucking sense.
1: But in any case, uh Kirk just walks through the halls, shirtless, with his shirt sort of slung on his shoulders. Love that. Gets into the elevator. Once again, still shirtless. He never puts that shirt back on until he gets to his room, which is wild. Um I, originally, you know, I'd,
0: again, I don't want to be on the regressive side, but like if men want to start going topless, you know, just walking around like, you know, from just like from a hallway to one room to another, who am I to say no? Who
1: am I to say? Who am I to say? Um, originally, Runberry wanted like these long sort of shots to be even longer because he wanted to show off the size of the ship. He wanted us to be like, wow, the Enterprise is so big, so that later when we see a big ship, we're like, oh my god, it's you I remember
0: when we previously talked about some episodes that some of the shots were used, and they they did establish sort of the depth of mm. of the, the ship and everything, just with the long corridor shots, which were gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah, I can, I can tell that with you as well. I also, I should have said this earlier when you mentioned it was a bottle episode, I really didn't absorb that fact until yeah. you said it. Because it just felt like, I mean, we're moving a little bit in the ship. But yeah, like, you know, the, the, the nemesis in this is essentially a screen.
1: Yeah. Which is, and it's wild because I mean, there are previous episodes and what did little girls, what are little girls made of? I was like, oh my God, they're walking through these caves and I'm so bored. There's so much walking through caves this one, they're literally sitting in one room the whole time, and I'm on the edge of my goddamn seat. Well, I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen?
0: I will, I will show my hand a little bit because I don't know the best part to mention it. Because also, frankly, I don't remember. I remember when the turn happened, so I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I did some time checking early on in this episode. Uh the the amount of time I believe I remember I texted you that it has been at least seven minutes, and the only thing that they had done in the episode was talk about and establish that there is a cube and getting Kirk <laughs> to the bridge to then see said cube. Yes, exactly. You know, and this went on for a little bit. So I, I thought mm-hmm. this might be another bottom tier episode. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, spoiler alert, it's not at the bottom tier. Certainly not. not. But yes, this one had a bit of a, if anything, the reason that it is, uh, it, it, it might've ended up on the bottom tier because I thought the first third was was slow. Mm-hmm. You know, which is sort of where we're in right now.
1: Um, originally when he got to his room, Janice Rand was supposed to be there and to have like clothes laid out for him. Um, because he mentions later, like, you know, he just got assigned this yeoman. So it would it was also to sort of explain what the hell a captain's yeoman does. Um and I think that's probably what a real yeoman does in real life. Like they take care of that shit, but Yeah. No one wanted it. They're like, that's too sexy and also just unnecessary.
0: Which I won't talk about her role completely in this since she hasn't shown Mm -hmm. up yet, but I will just find it interesting and it makes sense that this is the third episode filmed because the characterization that we had of her Mm -hmm. is not there yet. And we'll talk about what her role in this is when it comes to it, but it is Mm -hmm. very much not the role that she has later on during the, the series
1: on the bridge spock is asking uh lieutenant bailey to do some reporting uh and bailey like interrupts spock like almost like during it and is like ah so you know i wasn't like scared earlier when i shouted and said oh no i'm scared uh i just have like this human thing called adrenaline like he's being a little dick he's just being a little bitch um and he's reacting really strongly to getting feedback from his fucking superior
0: i I do love that his excuse is that oh no it's adrenaline as if that's not just the excuse for anyone going through like a situation like that like you can't go to a court all being oh i'm so sorry i plead adrenaline your honor
1: yeah and he's like trying to be a dick, I think, to Spock because he's like, it's a human thing that humans have. And it's like no one else was shouting, especially not all the humans around you. So, mm. um, but he's like, oh, I would consider having that removed, Lieutenant Bailey. Oh, oh love it. Love Spock's retorts. Uh, Sulu's like, I, oh, you know, you, it's a little risky to try crossing brains with Mr. Spock. True uh but sulu of course our good-natured guy kirk finally gets to the bridge to get the report that we don't know what the fuck this is we don't know how it moves we kind of know what size it is but we don't know how it sees us we don't know how it's moving we have no fucking idea no one knows how like what the fuck it is
0: and about a fifth of the episode is done
1: a <clears throat> fifth of the episode complete. We don't know what the fuck this box is. Bailey's like, We've got phaser weapons. I vote we blast it. Okay, trigger happy. Uh Kirk he <laughs> retorts I'll keep that in mind, Mr. Bailey, when this becomes a democracy.
0: I, I do, Fucking hilarious. I do love if we're going down the, well, I'm human and adrenaline, and we're just going to do, like, base human, like, if, <laughs> if we're going, like, humans are awful <laughs> tropes, it's like, oh, yeah, what do I see? Oh, let me, bl- like, something new, different. Let me blow it up, explode it. Let me, like, just have fun, just like pew,
1: pew, pew. Let's just shoot it. We don't know what it is. Let's shoot it. Um. So of course they don't fucking do that. But then he smiles. He gives a little like familiar smile, like he's okay with Bailey being a fucking weirdo. Okay. So captain's log. mm, Star date one five one three point eight. Star maps reveal no indication of habitable planets nearby. So we don't know who the fuck sent this out. Origin and purpose of the cube still unknown. We don't know what the fuck we're dealing with. We've been here held motionless for eighteen hours about a fifth of the episode.
0: That's, 18 hours is a very long, boring time. Like someone's had sleep cycles during this.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Like department heads assemble in the briefing room and Uhura is there and she has her elbow on the table and her head like in her hand looking like me at every single fucking meeting I ever had to go to (laughs) when I worked in an office. Like (laughs) just like exhausted.
0: I'm here so I don't get fined. Uh, I'm here so I do not get fined. <laughs>
1: um, Spock concludes that it might be some kind of buoy or flypaper in space. Spooky. Uh, Kirk and Spock agree that sticking around would definitely convey weakness. Uh, so it's time for action. And Bailey hears this and is like, Sweet, I got guns. I have big guns. They're so big, I can tell them to be shot off whenever because that's the role I'm in.
0: I know I've seen this episode, <laughs> but every time you say Bailey, I just go, oh, well, I well, sure. we've, we've got guns. We're we can
1: We can <laughs> shoot and take <laughs> out the fraisers. That, 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 that's what we should do. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Um, But Kirk is like, um, excuse me, did I say fire the phasers or it's time to take action? Because those are two extremely different orders that my fucking, like, Helms guy needs to be able to tell the difference between. Whatever. Kirk instead orders Bailey to plot a spiral course away from the object. Um, Of course, the object stays with the Enterprise and it begins to admit lethal radiation. So they're like, fuck. We're all going to fucking die as this thing gets closer to us. Bailey starts freaking out even more. Uh and finally within 51 meters, when it's just that close, Bailey gets his wish. Uh Kirk is like, "Just fire. Fire the phasers, Mr. Bailey." But Bailey's too freaked out at this point to shoot his guns. It's just like... just like in a fucking American. They're all like, I want to shoot my guns when I feel like I'm a safe distance away. But as soon as I'm threatened, I'm so nervous. I accidentally shoot all the innocent bystanders. And that's why we can't have nice things.
0: Oh, sorry. I shouted because of my adrenaline and I didn't fire phasers because of my adrenaline it's like this is like okay i have been obsessed i don't know why this um aesop's fable popped in my head oh i know Mm -hmm. it's because of uh my nephew wanted someone to blow on his food and i'm reminded Mm -hmm. now of the aesop fable where a satyr visits a man and he's like i'm gonna follow you around for a day and the man blows on his hands to make it cold and, or, or blows his hand to warm, warm it up during when it's cold. And then inside, he blows on his soup uh, to make it cold when it's hot. And then Sator throws up his hands and says, I don't understand you humans. You are so confusing. You have hot and cold with the same breath. Bah, be gone with you. And it's like this. And it's like, I don't understand yep. you. You're both gun happy and you're not gun happy. You don't make sense. And that's like Spock's yep, no, whole I, position I on this thing too. Yep.
1: Like I can't test any of you. But finally Kirk like repeats himself enough that Bailey hits the fucking button, they phaser on the cube, the cube is destroyed, and the Enterprise, BAM, is rocked hella hard by the resulting shockwave. We get to see everyone, oh no, like going around the bridge. Fantastic. Captain's Log, Stargate, Stardate uh, 1514.0, the cube has been destroyed, ship's damage minor, but my next decision is major. Is this, Probe on ahead or turn back.
0: Is this the first time we've had multiple Stardate updates in the same episode, or has that happened before?
1: It has happened before, I rare, just hadn't though. really read them out. Okay. Um... Yeah, I hadn't previously read them out, and it does seem like there's a lot in this episode. Well, yeah, and
0: that's why I, I, I noted them too as well, and I was just like, I know it's because they're moving forward in time, but also like, was this the thing that they kept doing it early on? I remember maybe a couple ones. My favorite ones, of course, is the ones where Kirk tells us things um, that we already know because people come back from yes. the commercial break, but also tells things that he doesn't know are happening within the narrative of the story <laughs> that's going on. These ones all, at least, are things that we know he knows are happening
1: yes yes um so spock reports no other objects and kirk is like what do you think we'll find if we keep going mr spock spock's like well we'll probably find the person who sent the cube it's probably different and superior to us and kirk is like well our our mission is contact aliens so let's go ahead and spock is like is it isn't it kind of inefficient to constantly question me about things you've already made your mind up about? Mm. (laughs) Mm. Mr. What do you think we'll find out there? Mm.
0: I am very good at reading when people have already made a decision and I will just stop the line of questioning and say, excuse me, what, what do you, what are you thinking? Because (laughs) I I realize if we do not, um, if we do not, establish this now i'm just gonna hear you ask me three or four more leading questions until we basically yeah. get to where you want to go anyways
1: yup Sp- spock is uh, the king of that he is the king uh but kirk has a reply it's it gives me emotional security oh he is an his emotional support vulcan i want an emotional support vulcan at that point and then kirk is like all right so we're going on ahead Hey, everybody, uh, phaser crew and engineering, let's conduct a bunch of drills because somebody wasn't fucking listening to me, Haley, <laughs> a second ago. So let's get some drills together. He gets in the turbo lift and McCoy is like, dude, everyone is fucking exhausted. We've been here for 18 hours and you're making them run drills. What the actual fuck? Furthermore. Listen to that guy. Bailey is not doing well. You have promoted him too quickly. He is not at the level that he needs to be to be in this position. You are doing this just because you see yourself in him.
0: McCoy calling Kirk and the lieutenant Mm -hmm. out was incredible. Again, characterization there right away. And Mm -hmm. I love the fact that we're hearing the voiceovers. And, like, Bailey is truly freaking (laughs) out. his adrenaline makes him shout and makes him <laughs> n- want to not do something. Now it's making him want to do everything and he's panicking and he's like, ba- he's not like shout shouting, but he's like panic, like just <laughs> urgent. He's just like panic urgent. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's fucking wild. So they continue their conversation over a little drink, uh, Spock reports, he's like, oh, there's like a 94% rating on the last drill. And Kirk is like, keep going. Give me 100%. Uh, Then Rand comes in with something to eat. That's right. It's a big plate of leaves.
0: This is when we can talk about her role in this, which is glorified waitress.
1: Yup. Uh, Apparently this is a dietary salad that McCoy ordered. Uh she's just sort of like giving it to him and Kirk's like, I don't want this. She's like, Well, if you don't like it, then tell me to make something different. And he's like, Stop hovering over me. And she's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, fine. And he's like, Well, get the doctor a salad too, huh? And she's like, whatever. And she like walks out. Um I get, which,
0: boomer. Yeah, she, boomer at ordering at a restaurant cafe is what's yep. happening right here.
1: Yup. Kirk's all, he's, first off, he starts eating the salad with his hands. Hilarious.
0: I have done that. I, I, I absorbed it. And I, I, I realized a moment after it happened, I'm like, oh, he did eat that salad with his hands. I really didn't yep. think about it.
1: <laughs> um, Kirk is like, once I get my hands on whoever gave me a female yeoman. McCoy's like, what? You don't trust yourself? Creepy. All of that. So Creepy. But Kirk is like, I have one woman in my life and her name is The Enterprise. Again,
0: what a recur- this line has been given to to Janice herself before. Yep. And so it's amazing to hear the setup. It's basically like, it's almost like the Arrested Development out of sequence stuff where we got the punchline mm-hmm. beforehand and now the setup comes later. And you're like, oh yep. yeah, I get it. Yep. Before we move uh, too far mm-hmm. from Salad, mm-hmm. I need to reveal one of the, you know, m- Things that make Missy seem like a sociopath, and in involves oh, salad, how how do you order your salad? What dressing do you like with your salad? Like your that depends favorite.
1: on the salad, okay. but I'll go with a I'll go with a balsamic vinaigrette.
0: Perfect, but but it depends on the, upon the salad. Do you know what I get on my salad when they ask me for dressing?
1: Tomato tomato soup. Dry. Dry.
0: Dry i don't like not on this side no <gasps> i will eat it if it is provided for me but if i'm at a restaurant and they ask for salad i just say dry please and they and every once in a while they double check but a lot of times, you know people must have gotten it before because i think it's a dietary thing i just don't like would well, do you know what i don't want to eat slimy leaves that's just where <laughs> i'm at do you also what i don't want to eat vinegar that's what they gave to jesus to like torture him i don't want to put that on my salad like this stuff is bitter enough as is so yeah no genuinely i will do it again if it is served to me with dressing pre on it i'm not just gonna like oh just throw it in the trash whatever. i can eat it that way but my personal preference is to eat it dry and with my hands sometimes again wow it is psychotic i know so it, i don't know if it's sociopathic or psychotic either way it is against nature one
1: of the two is against, for sure it's against
0: human society <laughs> i feel it is with nature actually but it is against human culture and i apologize to everyone but yes you i should i just needed to drop that back because it popped into my head i was like oh i wonder if the salad was dry when they started on set like, but why would you think that it's because you eat salad that way you
1: you weirdo amazing Amazing. We have had, I've, uh,
0: this is an episode of Tangents, and I'm loving it, because it, it, it's been a re- revealing episode, but also we are barely through the plot of this. We haven't even got the alien in yet. We got- I
1: know. We're like so close. But I have another
0: fact. Oh, please, please. Facts. Please provide facts before we get to the alien.
1: So, um, <laughs> a note from NBC. On this scene was like, please uh, don't make there be any kind of weird sexual tension between Rand and Kirk. I know you want it, Roddenberry, but fucking stop. It is so inappropriate for a captain to be involved with his yeoman. How, so they know. So they know it's not appropriate. She- so they do know that it's not appropriate. Welcome the next... 30 plus fucking years, more than 30 years, the next six years of the film goddamn industry, they knew it was inappropriate.
0: Do you know who was a captain that loved fucking his yeomen? Gene Roddenberry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yup. So Kirk and McCoy get called to the bridge. Why a new object is approaching, not a not a not a cube this time, but don 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 a sphere,
0: a giant golden disco ball. No, we zoom in. It's like a geosphere, but it's a giant yep. spaceship Earth.
1: A sphere made up of a bunch of smaller spheres, uh, which was ping pong balls glued to a plaster of Paris shell. Nice. Uh, oh no! As it approaches, a hard tractor beam grabs the Enterprise! The engines overload! And Kirk is like, stop! Also get the phasers correct! He orders Bailey to decrease the main view screen magnification because Bailey is starting to freak the fuck out about how big it looks on the screen. Which is really funny because, like, it, you can adjust that, Bailey.
0: But it, it's just like... What is Bailey not afraid of? I think the list is gonna be a lot shorter.
1: Yup. Um, but of course he doesn't even do it. Like Kirk is like decreased the view screen magnification so I can see this whole fucking thing. And Bailey is too afraid of this ship. Sulu has to do it for him. He just like reaches over and hits the button. Which
0: I uh, I sort of wanna my, I mean, I know with like our cameras, you can have like a you know 05 percent so zoom out. It just it's interesting that they basically have like lenses on the ship that can just go click 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 and just sort of yeah. zoom out in a way that feels impossible, but also like I mean, I guess you know refraction of light. They have they have warp beams. Why am I questioning this? They just warp. move on.
1: They got warp. They got warp. Uh, <laughs> uh, so and then Kirk's like, Uhura, open up a hailing frequency. And he's like, hi, uh, hello, we're the Earp- Earthship Enterprise. Hi, how are you? Uh, but Bailey detects a message coming through the navigation beam. Ooh, he's like, I'm hearing something. So Uhura, you know, switches it so that they can all hear it. And it comes in, you have trespassed. Holy fuck, big scary voice. Whose voice is it? None other than Lurch. That's right. Yes. It's Ted Cassidy,
0: who we have already seen in a previous episode. He played Rook or Ruck in mm-hmm. What Are Little Girls Made Of.
1: Very true. Um, so the originally, what was supposed to happen was they the entire ship was supposed to plummet into a vortex. Oh. And Justman was like, what if the ship just stops and sits still?
0: <laughs> so it's like 2001 <laughs> at Space House, he goes in vortex. Yes. Or it's like when <laughs> you park your car outside a Walmart. That might, yeah, that might work too.
1: <laughs> like, ooh, guess how many fewer miniatures we're going to have to shoot? Uh-huh. So, yes, he's like, money, money. It has to just stop. So,
0: well, and also, you... how many special effects artists can have a breakdown before you can get that vortex to happen?
1: Exactly. So we get this terrifying message that you have trespassed. My name is Baylock, and I am the the captain of this Festarius, the flagship of the First Federation. Uh, and you have clearly shown hostile intention by ignoring our cube and then blowing up our cube. That was our cube. It was a warning buoy. And so when you destroyed our warning buoy, which clearly warns everyone who comes to this area of space, um, you I'm now considering your disposition because fuck you guys
0: which is great because earlier we had captain kirk saying oh we should probably go away from it so we don't show weakness but oh uh, who wanted to shoot at it again oh well, 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 i don't I, I don't i don't know who wanted to shoot at it
1: i don't know um so kirk is like uh we didn't like we didn't know like we're so sorry like we did not know it was a warning buoy like we promise we did not mean to destroy that. But before he can even, like, finish, bzz, super loud zap of sensors coming in to sense them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baylock refuses all further communication and is just like, I'm going to destroy you if you make any moves. I'm considering your disposition. Stay fucking still, bitches.
0: And he introduces his ship as the Fasaurus? Fasarius?
1: Yeah, the like, yeah, Fasarius. And they
0: mentioned the First Federation, which now I'm just like, Mm -hmm. what is this First Federation? What? I've never heard of
1: Um. So Kirk decides, he's like, all right, well, let's put a record together and launch it so that any other Earth ships coming to this area of space will get a warning that they can hear.
0: Yes, not one that doesn't look like enticing and actually makes us want to go toward it.
1: So they set it out. Immediately, Baeloc destroys it and is like, I told you not to fucking move. You moved. So now you have 10 minutes and I'm going to kill you. We make the assumption that you have a deity or deities or beliefs which comfort you. You have 10 minutes to partake in those.
0: This is when the episode turned for me, when I have a disembodied cube in a nice <laughs> deep voice telling you, like basically like almost delivering like a Douglas Adams type line from Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide where it's like, we assume you have a deity or deities. So you have 10 minutes to <laughs> perform any last rituals before you are destroyed. I'm like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> You have me back episode. Yep.
1: Yep. It's just a fantastic line. Um, But it's also kind of a giveaway Mm -hmm. that like this person isn't just evil. Like a culture that's like, I assume that you have your own death rituals and I want to give you time to do them. That's not as bitchy as just like, fuck you.
0: Yeah, it's dispassionate is what it is.
1: Uh so McCoy comes onto the bridge. He's like, yo, everybody heard that on the ship. Um, so Kirk is like, oh god, I gotta I gotta counteract this message. He jumps on the the intercom uh and is like, hey, like you've been here, you've seen some aliens, so via uh, You know that irrational fear of the unknown is more dangerous to us than any alien we know that life forms with space travel are usually able to recognize peaceful gestures. So like, no worries, like bitches, this is going to be fine. I got you. He,
0: he's basically acting like an, an Aaron Sorkin character in a, in, a, in one of their mm-hmm. things was so like, we can, we can argue this out. Like arguments mm-hmm. will win in the end. And that's how we're going to like progress.
1: Language, language. Um, so Kirk signals to the Fisturius, Uh He's like, "Look, we're gonna return the way we came. We all we want to do is show you that we have peaceful intentions. We're going back the way we came. Uh, this was an oopsie, oops. No harm, no foul." Um, but all engine and weapons power is drained. Like immediately, mm-hmm. they're like, "No." Bailey is full reeks the fuck out. He's super slow on his or- orders. Uh, And now, Spock is able to pull up on the screen the fearsome visual image that is the face of Balok!
0: Which that alien face is really kind of freaky and fucked and i was like oh if i had seen this as a child i would have run screaming to my parents because i just would have been like ah, i don't like it because it's it's the dead eyes that are just Mm -hmm. staring right at the camera so it's like looking at your soul and you're like i
1: don't like this blue guy looking at me he doesn't look fun He's like a spooky green blue dude, yeah. like classic alien head shape, Well, uh, I, slit eyes. And when I saw it,
0: I knew I had seen this before and I wasn't sure if I'd seen it because it was memed or if it was like a thing, but I'm like, I've seen this alien before. So that was the other mm-hmm. thing that kind of like to be out. And this was just the recognition of being like, wait, what is this? Why do I know this? What's happening? Okay. I got to just stay focused on the episode. Don't go. Don't go look this up.
1: Don't go look this up. Well, immediately, uh, Bailey has the same thought that young you would have Mm -hmm. because he freaks the fuck out. He's like, none of you are showing any emotions. I am so afraid. How come none of you are afraid? All of this is meaningless. We're all going to fucking die. Like someone's got to do something. Like someone's got to figure out what they want from us. And Kirk is like, they want us to freak out. Mm hmm.
0: congrats we're doing what they want us to do right now in this moment because we're spending our precious time trying to calm your ass down
1: yep he's like what are you robots kirk's like you are relieved of all duties and
0: spock is like kind of
1: yeah (laughs) kirk is like uh mccoy just escort this fuck to his quarters Please.
0: I I um, would have loved if, in an uncensored world, Kirk had said, get this fuck back to his quarters. Because <laughs> he's this guy is acting like a total fuck.
1: He's acting like a total fuck. So Kirk's like, great. Well, now that this liability is no longer on the bridge, let's try and reach back out to Bailock, um, to plead about our non-hostile intentions. So he's like, hey, like, look, you gotta understand, man, we didn't know what the fuck this thing was, and it started shooting radiation, which is lethal to us. So, like, we had to do something, like, we would not have destroyed it if it hadn't been lethal at us. We know that you don't mean for it to be lethal at us. Like, like, come on. But Balak completely ignores them. He just interrupts with, you have seven minutes left.
0: It's it's basically like they're trying to solve a, and I'm again, series that I haven't seen, a jigsaw puzzle from Saw where it's like seven minutes left to Saw yep. play. Instead it, it says, Hello, seven minutes, I am not moved.
1: Um, um, <laughs> so we, we come back in clearly from like a commercial break, um, and it says <laughs> you have Four minutes remaining, which was funny because it's like they it kept counting through the commercial.
0: I was going to say, this is like <laughs> those episodes of things where they do it in real time. They were like, no, no, four minutes commercial there. If we come back and they say like five minutes, the audience is going to be like, no, nah, I've been there. It's been I went, I made something in the kitchen. I made a sandwich and came back. It's
1: not been that long. Uh, so we got four minutes remaining to annihilation. Kirk is like, Spock, give me options. And Spock's like, I mean, like in chess, when you're out matched, you just, you know, checkmate, the game is over. Mm-hmm. Um and Kirk's like, is that your best recommendation, dude? Checkmate.
0: But Kirk <laughs> is a game player. So Kirk knows we're not playing 4D chess. We're playing, not playing we're playing 5D poker.
1: We're playing 5D poker. He's like, I'm sorry, I cannot think of a more logical conclusion so he does apologize but he's like i can't i i don't i don't know what the fuck's going on no one does mccoy uses this lull in activity to be like um hey kirk so i'm gonna write down about mr bailey that he's just experiencing fatigue i know you have some important things but just because like we have a second i wanted to talk to you about my reports um
0: <laughs> it's it is amazing the it, it is it's i don't know this was on purpose but it was very much like oh the bureaucracy will still exist during like the harshest of t- like oh even when yep. things are life-ending like oh during the blitz like oh the train still ran you know sort of kind of thing yep. and it's like that i still need a file report because i'm i'm making the assumption we're gonna get out of this because we, we've gotten out yeah. of these you know traps before um <laughs> it, it was so inappropriate but it was amazing it's
1: amazing uh, he's like I'm going to, I want to put it in a simple fatigue because you pushed him too hard. Like, because you fucked up, Kirk, not to, like, get in the way of your negotiations to save all of our lives, but you fucked up. It's it's
0: (laughs) very much the blame the parent for the child's misbehavior sort of thing.
1: And Kirk is like, I'm ordering you to drop it. McCoy is like, well, I'm going to record this in my report then again with the reports he's like oh i'm gonna report it in my report and then you're gonna have to answer in your report why you didn't do what i said in my report i want to i'm gonna tell on you i
0: want to know if gene read this scene and was like fucking hilarious he's filing reports <laughs>
1: <laughs> he might have written this part because the bailey subplot was added a lot later in, in the writing of oh, it. So really? it might have been that he put that in. Yeah. That's interesting. Originally you would have thought yeah, that would, there wasn't a Bailey.
0: You would have thought that would have been a core part of the episode, like the the turn mm-hmm. of it on there.
1: Yeah. No. They added him in a later one and it really worked out. It really they felt like it it really humanizes Kirk mm-hmm. and gives you more of an insight into who he is. Well and
0: he's the his behavior is the inspiration for what he's going to do
1: next. Exactly. Because he says I'll, because McCoy says, I'll state that I warned you about Bailey's condition. Now that's no bluff. I'm not bluffing. I'm going to put it in my fucking report. And Kirk is like, a bluff. A bluff? It's not chess, it's poker! He has a, a brain blast, like fucking Jimmy Neutron. So he's like, all right, a bluff. We're bluffing. We're playing poker now. Now I've got it. He like hits the thing. He's like, open up a I signaled Baylock. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you see, as a courtesy, due to our deep respect for all life forms, even those that are going to kill us, um, we need to warn you about something that's never been in any library on any Starfleet. And it's that we have a thing called Corbamite aboard, which means that if you do anything hostile against us, all of the energy you sent at us is going to rubber glue back to you. And you will also explode. And no one has ever attacked us since.
0: He he just whips out <laughs> mutually assured destruction, just saying, okay, yep. this is all we got, you know. And, and the plausible deniability of you can't put a mutually assured destruction component in anything on record because it defeats the purpose of a mutually exactly. assured destruction component.
1: You can't exactly. go mad you can't he is interrupted during this speech by Baylock telling them they have two more minutes but he's like corbamite uh and if if life means little to us if it does uh death has little meaning to us if it has none to you then attack us now we grow annoyed at your foolishness and
0: i've just connected that Kirk's basically like, the Enterprise is of, it's very little importance to me if you blow that up. That's, you know, we don't care about that. But he's talked about how he's basically married to the Enterprise. So Kirk is essentially putting his wife on the line.
1: Straight up. Straight up. Spock is like, well played. Also that Baylock guy reminds me of my dad. (laughs) Again, Two minutes left. It's like, you know,
0: I should think about my father more often. Hmm.
1: <laughs> Scotty is like, God help your mother. Oh, uh, oh. But Spock is like, I don't know. She considered herself a very fortunate Earth woman.
0: Do- doesn't do- doesn't take the takes the joke literally. I got just like, well, yeah, of course.
1: It's like, yeah, she she really likes him. She she was really glad. Um everyone on the bridge is too busy sweating their balls off to be concerned by this hilarious back and forth. Um, everyone is so shiny on the bridge. Someone came around with a fucking spray bottle. I am sure. Uh, Cause they're like, you're stressed. You're stressed. Everyone's adrenaline. So with no, up. with no apparent uh, reaction from the ship, they're like, fuck, we're going to die. It's- Sulu starts fucking counting down because he's Sulu. And at this moment, Bailey returns to the bridge. There are 30 seconds left and he's like calm and he's like, hey, per- i am calmed down, like permission to resume my duties. Like, I'm sorry. If we're all going to die, I want to die in the cool chair.
0: It's the death juice in his brain shooting a release. And he's just like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to die. What am I going to do? Well, you know, uh, I guess I'm going to go to the helm because... This is what I was trained to do in situations like this. Uh, uh.
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. So, <clears throat> Sulu counts down. They're all sitting there, they're all freaking out. Four, three, two, one, zero. Nothing happened. wish they had the
0: balls to go to, to a commercial break right at this moment. I know,
1: right? I know. Um, they're not attacked. Everyone kind of like exhales for a second. And Spock is like a very interesting game, this poker. Wow. Um, poker? I hardly knew that shit.
0: <laughs>
1: um, then Baylock hails the Enterprise. He's like, the destruction of the Enterprise has been delayed uh we will relent in your destruction if you can prove that you have the Corbomite device on board Kirk is like hail them back open the thing denied turn it off like
0: <laughs> It's great because and they they basically even say we're gonna get the dose of his own medicine, which is okay, yeah, so he, we're
1: gonna let him sweat it he out. He
0: counters back with his logic and they call the bluff and they go, No. No. <laughs> uh
1: Baylock's like, I know you've seen me. I know you've seen my form. Uh I hope it, I hope it has quenched your curiosity. And you can kind of see Spock like it has. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great moment, and I'm not entirely sure where in the episode this happens, but this is the first time, of course, Spock responds to something by saying, fascinating.
0: Yes.
1: He didn't know how really to play that. And you can see in like the first couple times he says stuff in the episode, he's shouting, mm-hmm. um, which he does a bit in the previous episode, which he does in the cage, which we'll see in the Glass Menagerie. Um, but it was at this moment, he went to the director and he's like, dude, I'm gonna quit this fucking show. I don't know how to play this. All everyone else is reacting to sudden death the way a human would. But I don't know what the fuck to do. Like I'm a Vulcan, like I'm not a human. Like like when I see the ship, I'm saying fascinating. Like I feel like I shouldn't yell that, but like my first officer thing is to yell like I don't know what to do. And it was Sergeant, our fucking our our director was like what if you respond like it's interesting to you? Like th- this is a scientific curiosity.
0: Mm. You you genuinely you. find it fascinating. Play it play it yeah. straight.
1: Yeah, and he's like, hmm. So like fascinating, and they're like, yes, that's it. That's the character, and they're in the heart of the character. It was also him saying like, it was also that director saying like, you know, Spock. Maybe he has a lot of emotions. But he doesn't show them. Yeah. So what leaks through is like this curiosity, this scientific exploration. And Nimoy took that and created Spock. Amazing. Uh, I
0: find it fascinating that he was so like so dedicated to this this space opera that he was like, I can't I can't. One word, one word like crushed him. And I'll, I'll tell you, as an actor. Some of the worst things are when you have just a one word a one word response or even like an "ah" or a okay" or a real" and then in your head you're like, "How many different ways can I play this and it's just like sometimes you listen and you react and you just give an honest response as if everything in everything is interesting to the character that's you like that's that's the most interesting thing you can do is find the situation interesting
1: yes, yes, um. It's just amazing. Uh, (laughs) Yes. So we have um, Ron the Bridge. We know we've seen. He's like, I know you've seen my true form. I I hope this has fed your curiosity. I will promise another demonstration of my superiority shortly, which I would just like to promise everyone a demonstration of my superiority at various times.
0: (laughs) You know what? I... My existence is me showing my
1: superiority. I will demonstrate for you. You know, maybe uh,
0: as a white person I shouldn't be proud of my superiority. That might be inappropriate.
1: That's fair. I was thinking of a drag show that I saw this weekend where there were many drag performers and they were all on roller skates. Oh
0: hell and yeah.
1: The first couple that I saw had lovely costumes, were doing a great job, but clearly didn't have much experience on the skates. Mm-hmm. And then we got a trans-Hasidic Jewish strip show. And this trans-Hasidic Jew had the most moves on the skates. Like I think this person like skates first drags second. Yes. I would almost expect. And like they had the side, like their sideburns were real. Like it was, it was badass. Um and I was like that's a demonstration of their superior. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, they were superior yeah. on those skates. What
0: I love is this just reminds me of a random fact I've learned, which is on movies, they usually train hockey players to be actors because it's easier to teach a hockey yes. player to act than an actor <laughs> how to skate.
1: Yes. It's <laughs> that. Yes, it was exactly that. I was like, I was astounded that like the first drag queens were able to like get around to like get the money from people. Um, And it was outside too. I was like, wow, it's really hard to skate outside. And then like the trans Jew comes up and is just like backwards skating, like one foot, like, you know, tricks. I was like, wow. So we're on the bridge. Rand comes up to the bridge with a bunch of hot coffee for everyone. Exactly what you need after 18 hours of this wild standoff and then thinking you're all gonna die for 10 minutes. Um, and they're like, wait, isn't the power off? Like, how did you bring us hot coffee? Rand hit it with a hand phaser.
0: Again, I love that her plot right? is coffee, but also that I it know. shows that she's innovative and that bitch.
1: Right. Yes, she is that bitch. Like That is why she is the captain's Mm -hmm. yeoman, because she will figure out how to do her fucking job, and she will go the extra mile. She'll bring everyone some fucking coffee.
0: She knows, just like me, like past Missy knew, that I would need some coffee to get through these recordings. I got myself some coffee earlier. I'm my own yeoman.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm my own yeoman. (laughs) So a small vessel emerges from the Fistarius. What is it? It's just a couple of spheres together. Like the whole ship is a bunch of spheres together. Now it's like four spheres together is their little extra ship. And Balok announces to everyone that he has decided that he will have, they will tow the ship, the Enterprise, to a planet that can support human life. That is in the range of the rest of their civilization. Evacuate the entire crew to go on that planet and be picked up by their own people and destroy the ship. Yeah, Destroy the Enterprise. It's
0: like, oh, you have a, a mutually assured destruction device? Well, I'll get the, I'll get the, 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 to- the, tow, the tow truck and I'm just going to take it yeah. out to the field and then we'll just explode <laughs> it out there. How's that sound?
1: <laughs> We're just going to blow it up away from everything mm-hmm. else. It's fantastic. But nice. He's like I'm not going to kill all of you. I'm just going to destroy your ship. Um and he's like don't try and break away from our tractor beam. We have such a badass tractor beam even though this is a small version of the ship. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. Um and I'm going to keep your systems online so that you can be alive and you can be comfortable. Once again, these are a lot of signs that like Baylock doesn't want to hurt mm-hmm. them.
0: Yeah, it's it's this is the, the area where we talked about, or I talked about earlier, him being dispassionate. This is mm-hmm. where we sort of get to see that he isn't just all pure logic and has, it's almost yeah. like, the res- he's like, okay, you have respected me, so I mm-hmm. therefore am going to try and respect you in the way that you want. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting sort of like agreeableness from him.
1: Yeah. And at this point, like, I sort of, like, from the perspective of never having seen this before, one could say at this point, like, oh, they just really aren't allowed in that area of space. Mm -hmm. There's clearly some kind of advanced empire there that doesn't want any outsiders there, but that aren't bad people. Like, they're not evil. They just perhaps see the Enterprise and Starfleet as primitives who they don't want any interaction with. They're going to wreck the ship so that, and then these people can go and tell the rest of their people don't go there.
0: Look, our shit is so advanced. I We don't want to spend any time explaining it to you. We'll let you catch up later. But like, until then, <laughs> just please stay away. Um, like if you if off. you had been in advance and stuff, you would have known that that Rubik's Cube was meant to keep you away. Like this whole ordeal started because of that.
1: Straight up. Captain's log, start gate 1514.1. The Enterprise is in tow. To this point, no resistance has been offered. My plan, a show of resignation. Baylock's tractor beam has, has to be a heavy drain of power on that small ship. Question, will he grow careless? Mm. 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 So Kirk is like, all right, Let's wait a while, drain this guy, drain his ship, and then we will do a right angle course and we will shear away from Baylock. We'll tax their engines against our engines and then get the fuck away. So he's like, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. The impulse engines are engaged. Uh, they're beginning to overheat pretty quickly. Kirk orders more power. There's a bunch of strain. The Enterprise is rocking around. We see a dude in a puffer jacket being thrown around the corridors. Uh, I just love these shots of, like, people running back and forth across sets mm-hmm. to, like, show that, like, the Enterprise is, Things like, are happening! Rocking. Things are happening! Um, Baylock's ship also begins to show signs of stress. It's becoming a puff of light. It's sort of being blown out. Like, the light is being blown out, which I think is just such a fun way to, like, show, yeah. like overheating um and th- these were some of the first special effects that they did for star trek so i thought that was extremely yeah, clever they're really, of the special effects and guys. they're very
0: decent for the time like it, it, it we really just it, yeah none of it like broke the immersion for me and i think it's because i'm used yeah. to like knowing that's level special effects but these ones were really good
1: yeah, they were they were nice like they because they they weren't trying to look like anything you would see on yeah. Earth. And all of the physics feels consistent. Yeah. Um, so. Mr. Spock warns, he's like, our engines are about to fucking explode. But Kirk is like, no, we will keep going. Bailey's like, oh, my God, we're breaking free. And they break free from the ship. But Baylock's ship is just hanging in space. And the Enterprise, they're fucking free. Yay.
0: I, I want to know if this is based off a real thing where it's like, okay, if my ship is being towed by a tugboat, mm-hmm. if I just move it to the right, it's going to try so yeah. hard to move me that we'll basically like flip the tugboat over. The line will break. And it's right. like, this has to be based off of an it actual maneuver or technique that exists for some reason. Or even like a vehicle you're towed, you know, and just move the car. Like something mm-hmm. like that.
1: Or, like, something with planes. I know that uh, Roddenberry was a pilot during World oh. War II. So it may be, maybe it's something with planes. Basically everyone who works on these like was in World War II. Yeah, well, yeah. Cause it was
0: so near and everyone was, everyone yeah. was essentially drafted. Like, yeah all, yeah, all of these people, it's why, it is why war movies and war it's films yeah, became such a thing is because all of them went to war. And then the ones that came back were just, were basically dumping all of their trauma from their war experience into their art.
1: Pretty much. Uh, so they're free. Scott comes to the bridge. He's like, okay, we need like as much time as you can give me so that, that I can fix our engines uh, from what you just did. But good work. Thanks. Um, but then Spock warns, hey, a distress signal has been sent out from by Baylock back to the main ship, the Fistarius. Uhura intercepts it. And apparently, the engines are down and life support systems are failing on this ship that was towing them away. She's then determined she's like, the signal is so weak, it might not even reach their mothership. Like, we really fucked this shit, ship up. They might die. Kirk immediately, he's like, intercept course, gets on the intercom. He's like, all right, everyone, we're going to try and save this alien because uh, that's what heroes do. I know it just tried to kill us, but we're fucking space heroes, so... It is
0: our mission to seek out new life and new mm-hmm. civilizations. Ergo, we've met one.
1: Yeah, we gotta we gotta meet them. We have the intent to rescue Baylock McCoy is like, I don't know that this is the best idea, but he's like, we intend to do this, friendly or not. Mm-hmm. It is our mission. He orders McCoy and Bailey to accompany him. Uh, but that Mister Spock needs to remain behind just in case anything happens to yes. them. Uh, Bailey is like, excuse me, I, I should be in trouble right now. <laughs> like, why are you bringing me with you? But Kirk says, "A face of the unknown, Bailey. I owe you that." And I feel like that's his like. I put. I know I put you in too high of a position. I know I worked you too Mm -hmm. hard, but now maybe you'll see something cool. It's also,
0: I think it's also a little bit of like having to confront the thing that you're afraid of. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe if you Mm -hmm. actually go meet this, you won't be next time you see a a weird alien that is like alien to you. You won't just instantly respond with,
1: ah, ah, ah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the three go to the transport room uh, and Scotty's like, uh, bend down. The ceilings are low. <laughs> so they all crouch to like be, be transported. And it looks really funny. And they reappear in this like pink purple room. With tons of curtains. Yeah. It's almost like they just redressed. Another part of the <laughs> set.
0: <laughs> it's nice and opulent. And yeah. Very like welcoming. And 60s chic.
1: 60s chic. Where they turn around. And they see, oh no, it's Baylock. Kirk brings out his phaser before they realize it's a fucking puppet.
0: They have been wizard of Oz. They've yes. been czardazed.
1: They have been czardazed. They turn around and but who is there? A small child. That's right, it's Clint Howard, brother of Ron. Baby Howard. Clint Howard. It's so great. It's so great. He has like this stoplight next to him. He's in a weird like silver outfit. He's, he's in a bald cap. Um, He was offered, they offered, they're like, can we shave your head? And he's like, I don't want to get teased at school. And his dad was like, do you understand how much money we could lose out on in terms of parts? Like if he's bald, like what's wrong with you? No, put a bald cap that- on it.
0: Like, that is great. Uh, and uh, Rance Howard, their father, who him, himself was an actor, professional actor at the time, mm-hmm. which is, of course, how uh, his children got into it, too, uh, knew that. Like, that is incredibly smart to be like, no, 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 no. We can't just have, like, a ball kid running around like Gerber babies already been, like, cast. We can't go and do that. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, so I have an unreasonable love of Clint Howard and all his weird character <gasps> weirdness. Um, so for this reveal that it was the mm-hmm. baby Clint Howard episode of which I knew had existed. Cause I heard Clint Howard talk about this on the Gilbert Godfrey podcast. I lost my mind and was again, the the reveal that made this episode just jump up and nowhere near the bottom of it, where it's like perfect perfection. And of course <laughs> this is where I also have to reveal uh, the voice actor for yes. Baby Baylock is Walker Edmundston. Walker mm-hmm. Edmundston most famously recorded uh, many of the voices in H.R. Puffin stuff. <gasps> he was the voice of a lot of people in the magical land there. Um, I think he was also on the other Craft um, uh, Brothers um, uh, series, the one with the hats and the... Um, uh, charles nelson riley i don't remember what it's called biggest adventures in hatland something like that anyways but i knew him growing up as one of the main characters and voice actors in the evangelical christian family drama adventures in odyssey so this man narrated what? my childhood i mean not, not <gasps> but he played a character that was from the get-go on it and he was like a friendly farmer that ran an apple farm named tom riley and so i got to hear this and when i heard voice in there it sounds very different because he's much younger but i i'm like yeah that's the voice that i know i uh, this that's
1: him oh my god that's amazing so a voice of god spoke to you yes
0: although he (laughs) did not voice god legendary the legendary voice actor Corey burton is actually the voice of god in that (laughs) oh my
1: god um so so we have baby howard baby baby clint howard um offers them some tranya that's right it's a it's a drink for everyone to drink uh, for well-being and and togetherness tranya a sign of goodwill this was actually grapefruit juice which clint howard fucking hated (laughs) he was like can they literally put anything else anything besides grapefruit juice so he's like, yeah, when I give like a really exaggerated performance in that moment, like a kid drinking alcohol, because I fucking hated that grapefruit juice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and of course, the three of them, when when they're offered it and and they go to drink it, uh, all react accordingly as if it could yes. be poison. But baby Baylock drinks mm-hmm. it first to show the goodwill. He then
1: explains. Yes, this up. he then explains that he used the puppet as an alter ego, as the hide to his Jekyll, uh, because he was trying to scare them. He was trying to determine their real intentions and that he couldn't necessarily figure it out from their databanks. Um, they could have been deceptive and also reveals he has no crew. It's just him and his stoplight that he touches to do stuff. Yep. Um he controls the entire ship but he laments that he's really lonely on his voyages and he misses company and wants to do an exchange student program
0: (laughs) yes this ends with the ending of both close encounters of the third kind when Mm -hmm. richard Dreyfus goes up and what my go-to reference was not only when the voice came on but also this ending when they exchange a person is Muppets from Space which has yes. both of those elements as well. Ah!
1: Oh my god. <laughs> um so Bailey immediately is like I volunteer uh, and Kirk's like yeah take this fuck. Um and Baylock is like oh so you're the best that there is and he's like no certainly not. But by making mistakes you'll learn a lot more. Huh. Humans are valuable, even when we fuck up. Uh, <laughs> so Balak laughs. He's amused by this notion, agrees with the rationale, and he's like, yes and no, I will give you a tour of my ship. We are very similar, you and I, Captain Kirk. We are both very, very proud of our ships. Do-do-do! do do
0: this episode for me with the the final, like the final acts two and three are top shelf. Act one is low shelf, but I don't want to put it in the mid tier. I'm going to put mm-hmm. it's on the top tier, but it's maybe to the side. Do you know what I mean? And if I, yeah, and if I yeah. want to pull it back down and, I, you know, if I'm showing it to others, uh, you know, if I'm I'll make them watch the whole thing. But if I'm by myself, I would skip that first like. 10 or so minutes and just basically get to the point where we get to the the golden sphere because and mm-hmm. the alien voice because that's that's when the turn is for me um mm-hmm. but yeah this oh emily i can see why this is a fan favorite this one was fun this the mm-hmm. humor the weird humor like layered in it was really interesting the sort of like it's not surreal but it, it's, it's there's just that aspect of like slight surrealness within it in the fact that it's like a a puppet alien and it's an alien baby that's also like a full-grown man apparently in their species that can reason with it like all of these elements together are just so wild and I really love I I really love but also am weirded out by the fact that this guy wrote so many but it was a child things in the end and also like yeah Coming from a time where where my people are being slandered with a groomer label, just having an adult man dropped off with a, 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 what we know as a child actor—it's just one of those weird things. Like, oh, you can just hang out and be my friend, buddy, in here all together. Like, okay, oh sure, that's oh. not weird. Fine, hmm.
1: that works. That works. I have one final fact. Um, the front up, the the front close up shot close-up shot of Baylock, the like sort of spooky puppet version. Um, it's the final shot of past episodes. Like it's it's displayed in many of the series end credits. Yes. And typically uh superimpose the credit on Herbert F. Solo, S-O-L-O-W <laughs> Salo, um <laughs> over the image, which was an end joke <laughs> for I,
0: I uh I think today was I don't think it's the first time that I noticed, but I sometimes I'm just not paying attention to the credits. But it was the first time that I I, I recall noticing that, oh right, this is this is the same images at the end of every single episode. Mm-hmm. And that these shots are from stuff we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. So I mean, now we have seen some of it. So every time it comes on, I think my brain does the math of being like, oh, this is what's coming up on the next episode. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, this is just <laughs> that series of things that happens. But like, it was very noticeable to me this time again. And it was like, I hadn't seen it before. And it's like, well, no, I, thought, I think I knew, I must have known that. But it was just, it just was like that, that brain thing where it was just actively activating it on there. And it probably was triggered by seeing him within the credits. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so that is that is one of the most uh, – this is one of the most iconic episodes. Of course, that face, one of the most iconic images uh, from all of mm-hmm. Star Trek. And um, even – so Clint Howard tells a story that, you know, many years later, he was going in to audition for Star Wars uh, in front of George Lucas. And, you know, his brother had worked with him, uh, George, on American Graffiti – So he was still, he was Mm -hmm. just a little nervous because he had never worked. He walked into the room, fucking Francis Ford Coppola is there. So he's like, oh shit. And then, like, a leather chair turns around and George Lucas is in it. And he said, the first thing George Lucas said was, Commander Baylock, the Corbamite maneuver. And he's like, there aren't even DVDs of this out yet. Like, those don't exist yet. Like, this is wild. So, yeah. i
0: wonder that's also what cost him from getting cast, is that he's like, ah, oh, I love him, but, like, I can't see anyone but, but the commander on it. I like, ah, oh, I, like, like, I just can't do it. But interestingly enough, I'm doing the math here, and I'm going to look this up, because I don't know if it's 100% true, but given this director's nature, it has to be. Because hmm. Ron Howard later came to direct a Star Wars film, Solo, I believe that Clint Howard must, ergo, be in the Star Wars universe because mm-hmm. Ron Howard always includes his dad and his brother in his films. And the slow mm. reveal is he is. In 2018 solo, Star Wars Solo, he plays Rolla Killy, who I don't know who that is, Rolla-Killy. but yes, Clint Howard did eventually get into the Star Wars universe, even though George Lucas didn't. It was not the gateway for it to happen.
1: Yes, precisely. And just amazing. Um, to me, he looks a lot like, uh, what is his name? Will, Will Hines. Oh
0: yeah, I can see some similarities between him and yeah. Will Hines. It's, it's, it's a more characteristic looking Will Hines.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like if you were to make a caricature of Will Hines, they would look like Clint Howard.
0: Mm-hmm. I, interesting enough the the character he plays and i just looked him up uh the trait he is is that he hates droids since his planet was ravaged by general grievous during the clone wars
1: mm, i see i see
0: this is not a star wars podcast get this star wars out of here be gone because we be gone. have to prepare for our next mission and as always we, we look at the title to try and predict. Well, we say, we, you know, I have to look at it. And I'll say yes. in this one, I, I did sort of kind of predict it in that I yeah. said, it, I guess, was guessing it must maybe be something to do with a maneuver. I then said it could also be something to do with like an empire political maneuver. That nah, was bunk. But yes, the actual literal ship maneuver was a thing, which was interesting. It also wasn't what I thought it was going to be, which is essentially just a bluff. But the next one, the Menagerie, which mm. uh, I love that you called it earlier the Glass Menagerie. I keep made, calling it the Glass was Menagerie. very funny to me. Um, it's but I'm, the
1: Menagerie, I, parts one and two. I, I, I'm
0: just going to have to assume that it is about a literal menagerie. And they're going to go to some sort mm. of space zoo or space collection of actual species, people. I don't know if this is going to be a, a human zoo kind of twist we have, as if this was... Uh, Oh, God, what's the Kurt Vonnegut novel? Slaughterhouse-Five. Yes, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. you know that sort of uh, aspect within it. But yeah, that's going to be my guess. I just have to go face value that it's about an actual menagerie.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I am so, so excited for you to see this. These are the two episodes that involve footage from the first pilot because uh, they're like, that's a lot of money. Let's, let's save some of that money. Uh, and yeah, I'm so excited for you to see it.
0: I am too. I could not have predicted at the beginning of this episode this would turn out to be one of our longest episodes to right? talk about this, especially with the first third. But like, my God, I the more I talked about it, the more I realized how much I actually really liked this episode. Once it got like it one it is it, a slow burn and then it is just bang, 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 all the way through. Just bangers of of moments and eps and everything like that. This was a beautiful one. Hmm
1: yay yes this one was wonderful but as always always
0: we have to do two things at the end of our episode that's true we have to live
1: long yeah
0: and we have to prosper we
1: must we must thank you so much for joining me missy
0: thank you for having me